Good morning, everybody. It's again, I, I say this every week, but I think I have the best job on the planet. So I'm so excited to be here and to be your pastor. Um, my name is Dave McMinn, and I'm the pastor here. And uh, what a wonderful day to worship Christ together, isn't it? This is just, I couldn't imagine any other place I'd rather be right now. So yesterday, I actually went out of town for three days. Uh, I had a little guy's trip with some of my friends. And so I come rolling down 35 towards... Cedar Park because we have pumpkins arriving on Saturday, and I get a call from Michelle or a text, and she says, David, it is pouring down rain here, <laughs> and uh, it may make the pumpkin patch a little bit tricky, but thankfully, God at least allowed a little bit of uh, the, the downpour to stop for a few minutes, right? I don't know if, if you were in the Cedar Park area. Right around 2 o'clock, it stopped raining, and we started to unload the pumpkins, and what was so great about that is I show up. And again, I'd been out of town. The pumpkins are here. I didn't schedule that. There are already people showing up. I didn't schedule that. There are people unloading the pumpkins. I didn't have anything to do with that. I show up, park, and jump in and start helping. It didn't have anything to do with arranging it, leading it, getting it set up. And I'm really thankful to the Bowmans, Blake and Kim, for doing that, and for Susan Hobbs. I know the three of them have kind of been working together to make that a reality. And that's awesome leadership. That's the kind of awesome leadership we have at this church. Well, lo and behold, about an hour into it, when we've gotten about 400 pumpkins out of our 1,055 pumpkins, which that may not seem like a lot of pumpkins, uh, but that pumpkin that we saw that Derek brought up here was a small pumpkin. And we have some pumpkins that are like this big and this big around, and so, you know, you're tossing them to each other, and all of a sudden, the bottom drops out of the sky, and it just starts pouring down rain, and uh, at first, we all kind of run from cover. And then we realize that, you know, a little rain is not going to make us melt or anything, right? <laughs> and so we get back out there, we keep unloading pumpkins, and we keep unloading pumpkins. These are all the wonderful people who show up to help. And you notice there's a lot of kids up there, and a lot of those kids pulled as much weight as any of the adults. In fact, uh, Audrey and Lacey Lynn were inside the truck unloading those pumpkins the entire time, and it was, it was pretty awesome. It was just a pretty awesome day all around. But what I was so impressed is what I said that I wasn't the person who was leading it, you know? So often in churches, if something happens, it has to be a staff person from the church in charge of it. And think about today, we have a blood drive, we have pumpkins, we have worship, and we have kids uh, in there doing, doing their kids' church together all at the same time because we have amazing leaders. One of the things that I noticed when I came to Rockbridge is how amazing the leaders are at this church. We're incredibly blessed. And we know that we need leadership. We need leadership for the church to be what it needs to be. And if you've ever been in a place where you didn't have good leadership, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Could you imagine those who were here yesterday showing up if there wasn't some sort of organization to unload those pumpkins? Maybe everyone just grabbing a pumpkin and going and setting it down and then going in another pumpkin. Can you imagine how long that would have taken instead of getting us in a line and people directing on both ends of the line and getting those pumpkins out? We need leadership. In fact, Will Willman says this, a church that has a mission and a destination requires leadership. And not just from me, not just from Joy and Josh and Bill and Randy and Lisa and Tommy and everybody who's on staff and Ashley, you know, not just leadership from us, but from you. If we're going to be the people that God has called us to be, if we have a mission and a destination, it requires leadership. And of course, we have a mission. Does anybody know it off the top of their head? Can anyone shout it out? What is our mission? Make, 
disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. All right? I'm gonna requ- I want you all to memorize that. I'm going to keep quizzing on you every once in a while. And I want it so we can shout that. That's our mission. We make disciples of Jesus Christ. This isn't a small thing. This isn't minor. This is world-changing stuff. This is something that when you think about coming to worship and you think about being a part of a church, you think, I'm excited to be a part of that church because they are making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. And we have a destination in mind, which is our vision, our new vision that we've been rolling out, we've been talking about, that we're called to bridge people to Jesus, who is the rock, you know, to get that rock and bridge through relationship with deeply committed disciples who love, learn, and launch, launch into mission and service. And that's what we're all about. So that's our destination. But to get there, to make our mission a reality, to make our vision a reality, it can't just be on the staff. We need you guys. Our job is to help you find your calling, your gift, and get you in a role of leadership. Now, leadership, one definition that I found that I really liked was that a leader is someone who takes charge, leads by example, with vision, empathy, motivation, and thoroughness, and one who builds a team to accomplish a task. So we don't just want a bunch of individuals doing different things. We want leaders who will grab three or four other people and accomplish a task. That way, People don't get worn out. People get burned out in churches because we have a few people who are generally willing to step forward and say, hey, I'll do that. And those same people always volunteer, right? What if, what if we were the kind of church that everybody was jumping over each other to volunteer and step forward and we were the kind of church that could make a massive impact because we have great leaders and we have great people serving? Now, when we talk about leadership, not all leadership is the same. We think about leadership as people who stand up like you know, pastors, right, and teachers, or business leaders, or perhaps politicians. Well, maybe not, maybe not politicians. <laughs> but we think of, of leaders as people who are in front of, of everyone, who are leading large groups of people, or changing industry, or, or changing organizations. There's all different kinds of leadership. There's people who lead by example, right? There are people who do the right thing, and they're always volunteering, and always standing forth. And we're like, that's the kind of person I want to be. There's people who lead by character. They're people of integrity. And they're like, man, I just want to be around that person. Because that person is a, is a person of integrity. That person, when they say they're going to show up, they are there. When they say they're going to do something, that person is there. And I, and I imagine each of us have people in our life that we can kind of think about of those people of integrity who are always where they say they're going to be. Those are the kind of people you want to be around, aren't they? Because you can trust them. You can count on them. And that's the kind of people we're called to be. Maybe what you're called to do is lead a small project. It doesn't all have to be leading a large group of people. Maybe you're, two or three, you're leading two or three people and you're just organizing it and getting something set up. And I think most importantly, we're called to lead into our passions. If God has put something on your heart and there isn't currently a ministry that you can come alongside of, maybe God is saying, this is your opportunity to say yes to God and say, here I am, Lord. That's what we need. We need people to step up and just say, whatever it is, God, here I am for you. Our scripture day comes from Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. This is what it says. This is, this is early on in the first church. Jesus has just ascended into heaven They've had Pentecost, and now this church, which started with just a handful of people, is becoming this incredible movement. 
you know, first a few dozen, and then a few thousand, and tens of thousands, and soon hundreds of thousands, and soon a million, and anytime you have a group that's expanding in that way, you're going to have trouble, right? You're going to have problems, because whenever you're, it's exploding, and, and there's new things going on, it's all exciting, but there may not be, there may not have all the, the structures in place that need to be there, and that's exactly what's going on. This is from the book of Acts, chapter 6. About that time, while the number of disciples continued to increase, a complaint arose. That never happens in church, right? (laughs) We never complain about anything. Greek-speaking disciples accused the Aramaic-speaking disciples because their widows were being overlooked in the daily food service. Now, this is very important because uh, at first, the, the Jesus movement, right, were Jewish people mainly from Judea, which is the southern part of, of Israel. And so they were the Aramaic. That was their language of the day. Well, as it started to, to expand and explode, people were called to go to different peoples. And at first, it was Hellenistic Jews or Greek Jews who converted to Christianity. Well, Jesus has in mind a family. Jesus has in mind this incredible family that all the world, all the human race are one giant family. Now, maybe some have said yes to God and repented of their sins, and there's others who are not, but they're simply just prodigal children who God loves and God desires, and God wants them to come and say yes to God if only they will repent. And especially the church is meant to be one family. You know, some people talk about the sharing that was going on in that early church as if it was some early form of communism, and that's, that's not really what it was. It's not really what it was about. It's because they saw each other as a family, And if you have someone in your family that needs something, what do you do? What do you do? You give, right? You take care of their needs. They were one family. The whole church, a hundred, a thousand, five thousand were one church. But whatever happens, you know what happens when you get a large group of people together and, you know, they they start as one, but then we start to do this, right? And we start to divide and we start to go to fall into our tribes. The Aramaic speaking and the Greek speaking. And the Aramaic speaking were the ones whose widows were getting taken care of. Why is this important? Well, as people converted to Christianity, started following Jesus, often they were kicked out of their families. And families took care of widows. If a husband were to die, the the rest of the family would take care of. Because at this time, women, unfortunately, couldn't own property. And so the widows had to be taken care of by the family. And when you had this crazy movement that was actually splitting apart families... The church took over that responsibility to take care of the widows. Well, everyone needed to be taken care of. It's very clear that Jesus saw it as one family. And so we continue with our story. The twelve called a meeting of all the disciples and said, It isn't right for us to set aside proclamation of God's word in order to serve tables. I love the disciples' sass here. So the next time someone comes to me with a problem, I'll say, You know, it isn't my job to set aside time to serve tables, right? I'd get something thrown at me. But the disciples like, it's, it's not our job to set aside time to serve tables. Brothers and sisters, carefully choose seven well-respected men from among you. They must be well-respected and endowed by the Spirit with exceptional wisdom. We'll put them in charge of this concern. As for us, we will devote ourselves to prayer and the service of proclaiming the word. The proposal pleased the entire community. They selected Stephen a man endowed by the Holy Spirit with exceptional faith, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius. That's probably not how you say it. I think Lion King's in my head. 
Parmenius, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. The community presented these seven to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. God's word continued to grow. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased significantly. Even a large group of priests embraced the faith. So, you know, I was kind of joking about the disciples being sassy, although it, it kind of sounds like that, right? They're, they're giving some attitude. Like, this should not be a problem. You guys need to take care of it. Because our job, the disciples' job, the original apostles had been equipped by Jesus to proclaim the word. They were the movement starters. And so if they were to take that time that they were supposed to be proclaiming the word and doing all these kind of other things that they were doing and starting new churches to, to focus on taking care of the widows, the church wouldn't grow and expand as Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit wanted, right? And this is the same thing with the church staff. We're here to equip and empower you to do the work of the church. If we try to do every little detail that is needed to be done in the church, then we don't have time to start new ministries like the bridge, to do ministries like youth and children, and to proclaim the word. So we need everyone to celebrate their gifts, to serve into their gifts, and find where God is calling them so that our movement can be multiplied. One of the most interesting phrases in here, it says, God's word continued to grow. God's word continued to grow. If the disciples had stopped down and started to do this other work, instead of allowing new leaders to come up and do some of the logistical work, the word is deacon, originally means servant. That's where we get the word deacon. If they hadn't allowed that, first of all, you wouldn't have had new leaders for the church, right? And second, instead of the disciples doing the job that they had been called to do, they had been doing this other job, and the church would have stagnated right there. This is something we see this time and time again in Scripture. Exodus 18, Moses did this. You know, he had all these details and all these things he was trying to do all by himself. And his father-in-law comes in and says, no, Moses, this is silly. You need to appoint trusted and respected leaders to take care of these day-in and day-out details. Jesus, Jesus didn't try to go and preach to everybody in the world. He selected 12 disciples, 12 people that he poured into for three years. And then those people went out and found other people. Do you see the pattern that we're talking about here? If you take your leaders and they're doing all of the detail work, they're doing all the things of the church, and you're just showing up, then you'll stagnate your church. The way this is supposed to work is we are supposed to empower you. We're supposed to empower you to help you find your gifts and your calling and where God wants you to work and serve so that our church doesn't stagnate but becomes a movement a world-changing movement. When we say our mission is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world, that's not something small. Sometimes it seems like it's too big, right? Transformation of the world, are you kidding me? But we don't do it on a big scale. We do it on a small scale. We make disciples. Imagine if every person in this room over the next year made one disciple of Jesus. We would double the church. And then if we did it again, we'd double again. And soon before, it, before you know, we have this massive movement that has truly changed the world. And our vision for Vision 2030 is including being a serving our neighbor church, a disciple-making church, and a leader-developing church. What if, when the world needed a leader, they could go to the church to find that leader? Do you think we could make some impact if we started developing leaders so that private industry and politicians were turned to the church when they needed to find their next leaders? People raised in Jesus, people who are going to live a Christ-like life, people who are going to make 
ethical decisions and be people of integrity. What kind of world would that create if we were the place, we were churning out these leaders that were being used in the world around us? And we feel called not just to stay where we are. We don't want to just say, okay, Rockbridge is good. We're not going to start any new ministries. We're not going to start any new things. We're just going to stay the way we are. That's why we need new leaders. We are called to do things like the bridge, this new worship gathering, right? Where we're going to try to reach people who are not in churches. If we wanted to reach more churchy people, we could start another worship service at 11 o'clock and get more people who are already in churches. And that's great. We'll probably do that. We want to nurture those people because we're going to send them out and put them to work too. But the goal of the bridge is to find people that are in this community that are not in worship right now. You know, 80% of people on a Sunday morning choose to stay home. Think about that. For every one person in here, there's four more who chose to stay home. That's the four. The one are going to go out there to find the four and invite them to worship and to know Christ and to start developing that relationship so that we can make disciples for the transformation of the world. But if we're going to do that, we need you. This can't be just David's vision. This can't just be David's plan and mission. You have to buy into it. If Vision 2030 is going to work, each of you have to say, I am all in. I'm 100% behind this. I don't just want to be uh, the kind of community that shows up on Sunday and goes about their life for six other days. I want to be a part of a church that's changing the world. I want to be a part of a church that's making disciples. And I'm not going to point up there at Josh, who's leading worship, or Kathy, or the people who are already serving and say, they got this. I'm going to use my gifts. So we can continue to make disciples in new places. So we're going to be called to, to start new ministries. And that means helping each of you find your gifting and your call. Not everybody is called to be a leader. Although I would argue that there's different kinds of leadership, as we talked about earlier. But I want to sit down. If you're feeling called, I want to sit down with you. Make an appointment with me, and I will help you find your place. What passions? What is God stirring inside of you? What awesome things does God want to do through you? Because I guarantee it's not just me that God wants to do things with. It's each of you. Every single day are called. So we're going to identify people who have the gifts. But not just gifts. Did you, did you hear it was well respected? It was men in that day, but we see men and women are equally gifted in leadership. Well respected. People of character and integrity and endowed by the Holy Spirit. That means they are given the gifts This is an old churchy saying, but it's no less true for it. God does not call the equipped. God equips the called. God doesn't need you to have all of it figured out. God doesn't need you to know everything you need to know about leading and, and, and leading the church and growing the church and making disciples. God just needs you to be willing and to say, here I am. I don't know what your call is. I don't know what it is that God wants to do in your life. I don't know what God is stirring. I just know that what we can do as a church is so much better with you. So much better with you. Everyone can be some kind of leader. Everyone can serve. Everyone can be involved in making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Jesus is calling. Just like Jesus called Moses. Moses wasn't anything special. He was a murderer. Jesus called. 
God called. Moses said, here I am, Lord. What are you going to do? Jesus is calling you. Will you raise your hand and say, here I am, Lord. And if you feel like God is calling you, let's sit down, let's have some coffee, and let's see where we can go from there. Because I believe that God has big plans. This vision is a big vision. It's a grand vision. I think God is going to do amazing things through Rockbridge. But it takes all of us to stand up and say, here I am, Lord, send me. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.